This is Thomas DePolo. This is Max. This is Kevin Ham. Hey, this is Jake Cook. Hi, this is William Roy. You're listening to The Green Box. Delta Green, the new Delta Green, it seems as though there is little to distinguish the program from its antecedent uh, Majestic 12. Does it? I don't know. That's what I'm asking you. I Well, let's let's pretend like for for our listeners and not because I would say I know, but like for the listeners who might not be so well versed in the lore, what is like can you give a base description of each? Or at least the Majestic 12? Majestic 12 was the actual deep state. Like, all the military industrial people who were enriching themselves through alien technology at the, co- at the cost of innocent lives. I don't, I don't see how this is different from the program. Ah, well, you see. Um, the program is different because... Uh, it's run by nice people. Yes. Not sure that's true. Real answer. I think the difference is primarily ideological. The goal of Majestic 12 was... You could argue whether the goal was to enrich the position of the United States by using alien technology or whether it was to enrich the position of the people on its steering committee. But the goal of the program seems to be, or at least is ostensibly, not so much to enrich the position of the people in charge or of the United States, but to kind of try to be the good guys and protect the world from the horrible and natural stuff. So why do I, as a as a, an agent in Delta Green... Well, I guess one, what do I know of this uh, meta conspiracy and how much do I care or how much does it actually matter? Well, a year ago, I would have said, you know, nothing, but I've been convinced that that's boring. And um, the Arc Dream guys made a really good point. Yeah, it's totally unreasonable that these these agents who are brought into the program for their investigative skills and, and intuition and abilities would just not ever bother looking into the organization they work for. I, I tend to agree with that. So I think... Probably what an agent would know that that the program has flimsy official sanction so long as no one looks too closely and that it has resources, but not as many as it wants them to think it does. And that the precursor organization used to have more resources and more power and has since been scaled back and that that is probably a good thing. Majestic is what we in the, 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 what the, what the fan fiction types would probably call a villain Sue. Like someone who's just all powerful and all knowing and impossible to deal with, except by a GM yeah. PC, which is what happened to Delta Green. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess they're written to be antagonistic. Well, and I guess that's not the same as a villain, but I feel like they might be maybe not the bad guys of a campaign, but maybe like the lesser of two evils that you strike a devil's bargain with to stop the other bad thing. I know one of the things I've kind of taken away from the meta, if you want to call it that, is that. Delta Green doesn't really care about its agents. They're almost fully expendable. But if those agents stumble into something really powerful, then all of a sudden that's when you get that's when you get an extraction. That's when you get a medical team. That's when you get because you have something that they need, not because you're valuable. It's because your intelligence or the artifact you found or whatever is valuable. See, that's that's a thing that I disagree on. Um, and and this 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 comes up a lot with when I run the game for people and play the game with people. And this is the thing that I disagree with a lot of people about what I don't think the program would view agents as, as expendable. We've, we've discussed this before. Agents cannot be expendable because the recruitment procedure outlined in the handler's guide is puts up so many filters 
that the pool could not possibly be replenished fast enough if agents were expendable. In order to be recruited to Delta Green, someone has to encounter the unnatural, handle it well, agree to keep their mouth shut, and agree to keep doing it in exchange for no money. Well, the just... pool of people who fit those qualifications is tiny and very difficult to find. And if you treat them expendably, soon you will not have any left. And the only way it could possibly work, and by, mind you, this might actually be narratively interesting, is if, you can, is if you accept that the quality of agents will constantly be degrading as Delta Green loosens its standards to keep the pool full. That is actually narratively, narratively interesting. You can slacken standards to gain more manpower um, at the cost of armory tradition. I mean, so the one thing in that scenario, in that in that equation of X amount of agents or X amount of potential agents have Y encounters with the unnatural, et cetera. You know, in, the, in a campaign, I mean, they never set in stone how many unnatural encounters there are. So, I mean, you that pool can be as big as you need it to be for your own narrative because there can just be a, you know, larger a larger group of unnatural issues out there um i think the reason i run things kind of expendable agents wise is that it gives me a good reason it gives me a reason why the agents can't just call on the backup team because there just aren't any unless you find something really useful which is kind of my usual go-to for like will i send a team to extract these agents well have they got something valuable see i come at it from the other direction my excuse for not giving players an easy way out by calling for backup is to say Look, you know, hey, field team, between the two of us, there isn't any backup. You guys are actually the only assets we have in the entire state. Just don't tell anybody. That's sort of the way I approach it, that the program might be official, but it's sort of ephemeral to the point where the agents are its hands. You are the guys who have to affect any kind of action or change on the ground. Yeah. Um, so I guess I guess I would I would file that. As a not not to I don't mean this to come as, as an attack on your interpretation of the setting, Kevin, but I would file that as a common misconception of Delta Green that the program does not actually have at its at its disposal the sum total of the assets of the United States federal government. But like Majestic might. Oh, Majestic probably does. Yeah. Well, if not act through official channels, then Majestic certainly has leverage on people that they could use to sign off orders to send a, a Navy SEAL kill team. Yeah. The oh. difference between Majestic and the program, I guess, then, is that Majestic is so powerful that playing as it is boring. Yeah, whereas the program is so lacking in effect that it would be ineffectual as a villain. This is a good example of where Majestic 12 and the program differ, because Majestic 12 has NRO Delta, just as completely top secret black ops outfit where it can disappear and discredit and assassinate anybody who gets in its way and a lot of people want to know who that is for the program and it seems like the honest answer is the program just takes like existing special operations guys and the program just fills up certain special operations units with people who are already read into the program it doesn't really invent new units it just kind of parasitizes existing resources you know what I would say, um, actually? I would say, if someone asks me who is the NRO Delta equivalent for Delta Green, I would say, you are. Yeah, because the whole point of NRO Delta is that it was always... I mean, it, I mean, it comes from existing UFO lore, but the whole point is that it was always a clever inversion of Delta Green because in UFOlogy and like the conspiracy theories, the NRO Delta is a red triangle on a black background. It's supposed to be, it's literally like the evil universe Delta Green. It's like the Aspis Consortium to your Pathfinder Society or the Zentarum to your Harpers. But the thing about NROD that we've discussed this already, we've discussed all this already in a previous episode, is that um, it the power and capabilities of it are very exaggerated in 
later Delta Green scenarios. In puppet shows and shadow plays, it's just two dudes who basically just wait for you to complete the adventure and then steal all the shit from the evidence locker when you're not looking. They have strict instructions not to engage you and not to interact with you at all if possible, and only to fire if fired on, because they're they're so absolutely confident in the power of the conspiracy that they don't need to fight you. That's a good point. In the original book, Anero Delta's main role is just to discredit people who risk exposing the conspiracy. It draws too much attention to actually kill people. And they specifically think Delta Green is like a third or fourth order threat. They're not really anything to take seriously. I mean, that kind of plays into what I mentioned earlier about if you're a Delta Green agent and you you know that that Majestic 12 or that Nanaro Delta is a shadowy super, you know, super force you know of. If you come across a problem where you might where you think you need them, one answer that you may get from your case officer is, I know what you're talking about when you solve the problem yourself. The other might be like, once we once we like make like I can make a phone call make, and try to get them to help, but if they do, like the price is going to be exacting and, and when, in, in such that you know you're not going to get any like you're not going to like the cost of bringing those guys in in terms of uh, you know they're going to take everything valuable or you know things like that. Like you can call in backup, but that's such a big move it gets Majestic 12's attention. Is that what you mean? Or just like you know, so you come across the you know the the, the massive cult complex. And you don't have any way to like legitimize a law enforcement raid on it. So you start thinking about like, well, who else can I bring in as backup? And you don't have any other Delta Green operatives. And and your handler is also trying to give you like a carrot, not a stick. Because, you know, probably two thirds, you know, three to four times, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the same answer you guys have earlier, which is you're the only team available to make it work. But if you wanted to bring Majestic in as like another antagonist or a player in your campaign, they could be brought in. But the cost of doing so might be you know, uh, might be that, you know, they get all of the intelligence or they, you know, uh, you know, you, you become almost collateral damage to them uh, or they, you know, you become indebted to them in such such a way that that could be an interesting tie-in for a further campaign mission. If you frame it right, lessons. you might be able to present the drawback as instead of destroying or isolating or containing the cult text thing or whatever, uh, bringing in Majestic or March or whatever, uh, the cost of that could be framed as okay well they're going to take it home and study it well that is literally what the program does in wormwood arena yeah yeah it is they give so it to it turns out they are actually pretty much but that's that the program you, you are you are correct you are correct max that is what they what the program does in wormwood arena if the players call for backup yeah yeah so the other thing is that one thing that about nro delta that i wish more delta green players did is have a shred of ingenuity when they kill people Instead of just, I roll firearms, I'm adapted to violence, so it doesn't matter. Maybe put some effort into making it look like a suicide or an accident or like someone else did it. Instead of just yeah, trying don't to just, shoot your way out of the whole scenario. Don't just strangle the guy I, in his prison cell, right? I had Oof. a secret heroin habit that I developed within the last three days, and suddenly I overdosed. You know what I want? And I've been writing this because I want it. Uh, I want a mythos, anti-mythos organization that acts like a corrupt cop, where... As long as you every keep... Delta Green player ever. No, Delta Green players, when they see something unnatural, they think I'm going to kill everyone who knows a spell. I'm going to kill everyone in the scenario. I'm going to solve everything by rolling firearms. What if instead of doing that and making Melonbread not like playing games with you, we had a Delta Green group of interest that said, "All right, here's what's going to happen. You're going to keep this shit off the streets where I can't see it. You're going to kill people who won't be missed." 
you're going to give me 10% of everything you make. And we never had this conversation. That's what I want. I think that's way more interesting than either like put it in a bag for NPCs to study or just burn it to the ground. Yeah. And there's about, there's a thousand ways that could backfire, which makes it interesting, you know, further development yeah. down the line. I am super interested in seeing the results of that. I'm working on it right now. It's, it's designed as both a player faction and an antagonist. I like it. That might be a good way of, I mean, it's obviously a separate faction, but I could see that as also being kind of a hook for like GRUSVA, where I guess in the same way, the modern Russian state kind of shakes down Russian organized crime. This could be you doing yeah, that for absolutely. just magic crime. Yeah, that would, would work. That, that, honestly, I think that's probably a more interesting direction for SV8 than the one they've gone with, which is just the program, but Russian. Well, they sort of have that in the labyrinth where part of the thing they reveal is that part of GRUSV8's thing is they figured out green boxes exist. So they start like surveilling green boxes and raiding all the cool shit out of them and replacing them with copies. That's pretty good. I like I like ours better, though, for stealing from green boxes. Yeah, I was going to say, way to catch up to a good idea, guys. You're Do welcome for that one. Maybe the burglar monks work for them. So one thing you mentioned earlier, Max, was that the pool of Delta Green agents is short because the recruitment process is arduous. Um, one of the things that comes up pretty frequently in, in maybe new handlers or new agents uh, discussion of Delta Green is like, what's a good scenario for me to run for my players who are all new? I'm like, what's a good, not not introductory scenario, but like a lot of times people have the have the novel idea to, to take a bunch of non-Delta Green people, like, you know, cops or social forces guys and published scenarios have done this as well and introduce them to Delta Green through a scenario. Um, you know, for published scenarios, it's stuff like uh, Night Visions, Kaligati, um, Black Sat, et cetera. And one of the things I've always found interesting with that is very rarely do... I think I feel like very rarely do, do people do an interesting epilogue there um, where the players actually get to kind of role play out that kind of recruitment speech. You know, they that all seems at least when I've seen it happen a lot of times or heard of or read a like read it in after action or whatever of a scenario that all kind of just they do the stuff, they go to space, whatever, and then when they get back, hey, you joined Delta Green, good job, thumbs up, now you're an agent, move on to the next thing. I think that's missing like a nice a nice fun little segment there. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, I've been, I haven't been in a position where I've been able to do it, but I've always thought, you know, I'd like to actually play out the, at least some of the vetting and recruitment process, or at least the conversation that happens. Yeah. Although that kind of comes into, that runs the risk of, of, of my axiom of, you know, what if the player says, no, I don't want to play the game. Well, I mean, well, that's, that's okay. Well, so one, you're running at the end of a scenario. So fine yeah but then they just bring another they bring an agent to the next game just bring another one, yeah. yeah and that's fine so, so yeah, i think it's it a... might be kind of fun to see someone be like yeah i know this stuff's out there but i don't really want to deal with it so have a yeah. nice count me out fuck that it certainly would be a lot more conducive to continuing to play if it happened at the end of the scenario rather than the beginning yeah i think that's a special exception to my axiom but no, i think i i agree and i wish i have i had had more of an opportunity to do that in games that i've done and i haven't and i've been trying to find a way low-key trying to look for a way to kind of work that in except i just i don't there aren't a lot of scenarios that i think really work well as introductory stuff so um although i we we have in this discussion right now several a few individuals who are, are very prolific at writing their own custom content uh so i guess how would you do a recruitment scenario? Um, 
I've said that I don't like recruitment scenarios in the past because I don't oh. think that repeatedly role playing. Wait, monsters are real over and over again is fun. Okay. I think that if I wanted to do a recruitment scenario, that would actually be a lot easier than doing most of the scenarios that I do because like instead of having to come up, okay, why does Delta Green care about this? I could just use a regular crime. Okay. So like a like a a strange murder or something. Yeah, like this dude got punched in the eyeball so hard that his organs turned into glass or something and like well that's fucked up. I can but see you that, even, yeah. You don't even have to do go that far because the one of the times sometimes the hardest part of writing something interesting is how do I get how do I provide a, a plausible explanation for why Delta Green cares without giving away the whole thing? But if it's introductory, then I don't have to. I can just say you're all, you know, police or you're all like uh, journalists or you're a group of friends that thought this was fucked up because you knew that guy, uh, you know, friends of Jackson Elias type thing. Um, and that that makes it so much easier than having to come up with a reason where it's just unnatural enough for Delta Green to be involved, but not unnatural enough to give away what's happening. I'm envisioning now um, the framing of a scenario in which some of the players are police. You know, you, they get to do the the noir detective waxing monologue thing, where you know, why does it have to end up on my desk and it's raining? And they put their their collars up, and and then maybe another one of yeah, and then maybe another one of the the player characters is is a key witness or something. And another one is a is a, a an ambulance chasing journalist. I wish Jake were here. Just just yesterday, he was streaming a video game where he played as a taxi driver who got shot by a criminal, and he was woke up from his coma, and he went back to taxi driving, and then immediately a police officer gets into his car and says, if you don't solve this mystery, I'm going to frame you for the crime, and you're going to be arrested. So in, in addition to being an accurate simulation of what taxi driving is like in Paris, it's also deeply relevant to what we're discussing right now. I feel like what we're talking about the last equation is actually a surprisingly good fit as a pre-existing percent, yeah because the delta green connection is tangential enough you can just write it off as just like oh it's a murder suicide as cops and federal law enforcement this is your bag and then there is the guy has a couple of friends who are also mathematics grad students so if you want to have like a scientist character that's how you slot them in and then the scenario also has like a nosy journalist who's following around the law enforcement everywhere. So you could have that guy be a PC as well. Like people have mentioned before, I think that the one odd thing about control group is that there's no introductory scenario for a FBI agent character. And if you take last equation and slot it in there where the players aren't actually in Delta Green yet, it solves that problem with control group and that problem with the last equation. Yes. One one thing I've seen done also is, and this works better if, if you truly have these people around your table, but if you have two people who have played Delta Green before and say two or two that haven't and they're all playing together, um, you make the two people who've played it before, again, assuming assuming that they're decent at role-playing and can handle the lift, um, you get them two agents who just need some backup on the ground, so you make the other two guys, the cab driver, the journalist, whatever, who get swept up in it. And then at the end, based on the recommendation of the two agents, either the, either the other PCs just go their merry way, or they get you know they get the read-in uh, briefing, you know, because they're because they're vouched for, and that can make it interesting in that the like normally when you're doing like Delta Green, normally when players are planning a Delta Green operation, they're just they're just table talking about what they're doing, but then you really can't have that as much because the two Delta Green players don't want to give up too much, but they also might know that they, these other two guys, if they're doing well, might need to back them up. So it's a fun dynamic. You kind of put the recruitment almost on them. 
to kind of soft recruit, but I would definitely make sure that that would not work for every group. And it certainly, I don't think it would work for like a random like con group or anything. I think you would need. A... I, I don't think it even works for people who have played together because will the first game of Delta green that you ran for the group that I was in before this one was like that where one, where I was the one, cause I'd read the book. I was the one character who knew about Delta green and it was fun for me, but not for the rest of the group because they were just being led by the nose instead of being able to do their own thing. I think that it runs afoul of the classic problem of having one character be special in some way or have a hidden agenda, which is that it's super fun for that character, but not for anyone else. What if, in the hypothetical recruitment scenario, what if the one or two Delta Green agents shepherding these civilians around is an NPC, and one of the very first things that happens is they get they get killed? That's pretty good. So I ran for a group of my friends who are experienced role players, but were brand new at Delta Green. I ran the first part of Future Perfect, and they went out. So they were FBI agents, and I had the Delta Green FBI agents in the field office, kind of sticking, staying in the field office. Um, but what it meant is that when things went sideways for the players, and I'm being a little deliberately vague here, things went sideways for the players who were real agents. So they drive back and are trying to get back up. They call their partner at the field office, who's Delta, who's Delta Green, who like meets them in the parking garage with some nondescript vests and, and assault weapons. And is like, all right, we're going back out there. This is the backup. You can't really ask a lot of questions, but you want to do the right thing, right? And they were like, shouldn't this like go through the channels? And he's like, uh, yeah, we'll do it later. <laughs> but, that, but like that was their introduction. And I think he might have gotten blasted pretty quickly just by the nature of that scenario. But uh you know, he he figured out what's going on and decided to to back him up. Uh, yeah, that is that is kind of good. The the, uh, the the civilians that haven't been read in, they know just enough to know that something is up about this other guy and who he says he works for, but he doesn't live long enough to fully read them in. So they're just, they're kind of groping around in the dark. They they kind of know what they should do. They know that something's weird. They know that there's an organization that handles this kind of thing, but they know nothing else. Can I tell you a fun detail about something I'm working on? Sure. The organized crime model, the corrupt cop uh, Delta Green group of interest is an old Delta Green cell whose one contact to A-cell was killed before he could tell them what was happening. <laughs> nice. Ha. So they've been operated. They basically don't know anything about the real conspiracy. They don't know that there are any cowboys or out or programs or anything. They are just like ship of Theseus. Where so they it's, just like, keep... it's like A-cell. Yeah. So the other thing, which I haven't ever tried using it in Delta Green, but I think I might next time I run it uh, for a non-con event. Um, when I run Star Wars, because a base a base starting Star Wars character is just like the most boring role-playing game to play because you have no skills and you have no cool talents and you can't do anything. And that's just shitty to play and you're supposed to play playing Star Wars. But rather than just tell people, make a character with like, you know, two or three levels, that's also boring. I, I make them all start and tell me like, you know, what's your character okay you're a pilot all right you know tell me about the people you used to work for you know the the jovian spacing guild or whatever all right and then i give them a little a little you know wicked you know one sentence prompt it's you no know, you know tell me about that time when uh you know, all the atmosphere in your ship got let out by accident like what happened what did you do to help that situation and then they come up with the answer and sometimes it's a little back and forth but usually it's just a, usually i'm doing it for each player in order so i'll give like max the prompt while he's thinking about it, I'm talking to Tom. While he's thinking about his, I'm talking to Will. And then back to Max. All right, how do you solve your problem? And then after that, they get some bonus skill. So if they piloted their way out of it, all right, cool. Take an extra, you know, plus one to piloting and then take an extra 20 XP wherever you want it. So at the end of this little, like, session one, you've learned about all your players and your characters. And they've learned about each other. 
and the characters are a little more seasoned. You could do that with Delta Green by saying, hey, you're an agent, but tell me about the time when you were not an agent and you like stumbled upon the mythos. What was that? All right, cool. Tell me about how you got recruited. You know, tell me about your first Delta Green operation. And then you can kind of let them be a little more seasoned that way, which could be an interesting way to do that without doing a whole scenario. I like that. I like that a lot because it's also a very quick way of filling out the history of a character, which um, at least coming from my my meat space tables is something that tends to get left behind. And I haven't, that doesn't usually bother me because, you know, the, the game that's happening now is the fun part. But uh, a framework like that to kind of fill it in, you know, point form real quick. And then here's what that means in terms of what it says in the character sheet. I really like that. I might, I might adapt that. And it gives you as a handler some levers. Like if you know their first encounter yeah. with the ghoul, you can be like, hey, remember the last time you went to a tunnel? Like that sucked, didn't it? Well, here you go again. You know, make them like play for it. Yeah, it's good as a handler to have something to grab onto, especially in a game like Delta Green. That's where so much of the fun of running the game is messing with your players. It it also means that your characters might be, all be a little different, especially if you're if you're somewhat liberal because skills you know skills don't matter. If you're somewhat liberal with the bonuses, if you say after every, say you do say you do three kind of back and forth, you know before they would met how they met Delta Green, how they were recruited in their first operation, and you give them you know five bonus skill points to put it put wherever they want, it lets them flesh out their character a little more, and then the character's a little more worn. And of course, you probably knock down their sanity a little bit just for for fun of it, you know. I know in Star Wars, I try to give everybody a cool, like, once-per-game ability, like a, some sort of hero ability, which is not really rules-written, but it's just a fun thing they can add to their sheet to be a big-damn hero, because that's half the fun of playing Star Wars, but probably wouldn't really translate that to Delta Green. Yeah, it doesn't really mesh with uh, the kind of game that Delta Green is, but I mean, for a game like Star Wars, that's fucking bang on. So, Max, you mentioned something earlier about, um, like, who would ever take the pitch for Delta Green because it's like, hey, do all this extra work, put yourself at risk, risk your family, risk your bonds and your sanity for no pay uh, and and no benefit because you're just going to die anyway. So, one, I mean, why does anyone do that? But is there any other way, any way to make that pitch less grim or more, like, more more of a more of a win-win, not a lose-lose? I just told you the way that you make it better. You say, hey, guess what? When you whack that magical drug dealer oh yeah you're getting his shit you're getting his fucking stash you get his address book so what if uh your players are not what if they're good people well then they shouldn't have any objection to the usual boring premise i guess that's true i guess they just want to save the world right yeah like if you have people who are going to be attracted to the normal here's the thing when i when i said that i wasn't saying it's a bad pitch because the players won't take it I'm saying that within the game setting, it it puts so many blocks in the way of of characters joining the organization that the flow of people into the organization has to be a trickle. I could see a person working for this uh, totally legitimate business uh, that you're inventing, Max, uh, who would say, okay, great. I can think of no one better suited to keep this out of the wrong hands than me. I'm just going to put it in my basement. Yep. Which I don't want to say is canonical, but there's a lot of short stories where that is basically the thing. No, that is canonical. One of the NPCs no. in um the in the new Delta Green book, the leader of the outlaws is like that. He has an entire fortress of wizard items. Yeah. So that is that is at least something that some agents seem to do. Just for some reason that doesn't translate to how the game typically plays out. So uh the the last kind of thing that I was I wanted to talk about that might kind of dovetail into this is um let's say you're running a recruitment scenario 
and you're running it for two veterans of Delta Green who bring their awesome kick-ass guard veterans and then you're bringing it you're bringing it you're running it for two new players and they show up and they're like oh, i figured we just make characters and say you don't want to go through the trouble of spending the time to make a character so you pull out the amazing pre-generated characters you always keep with you and then they roll on with with no issues but for people who might not have like a really kick-ass group of pre-generated characters or who maybe want to make it themselves what can what kind of advice can we give for either creating or running or building pre-gens well something that we did for gen con was we prepared a bunch of pre-gens that were basically just characters that we've played as or that people that we know have played as uh, and that was fun because those are characters we're familiar with so we got to see them played by other people uh but you could do the same thing at your table listener you could take some characters that you've got in your back pocket or that you used and be like here just just use one of these and that has the benefit of like this is a character somebody made who knows what they're doing who was trying to achieve a specific goal and maybe it's even a little bit seasoned you know maybe he's maybe they've lost some they did some bond damage maybe they picked up a disorder or two but hopefully you know not enough to be complex just enough to kind of ease them into it you're not too seasoned. If your character is too seasoned, you should make a version that's less seasoned. Agreed 100%. You could also just prepare a bunch of blanks, not blank slate, but uh, fresh-faced new recruits and just keep them on hand. So I know that there is a, a PDF out there with like a thousand pre-gen characters. Why not just yank one of those? There's a thousand. Uh, because I think that pre-gens should be put together with love and care based on a character that you would like to play because... If you use your imagination and come up with something fun, then the players will enjoy it more. If you make a character that is more powerful, the players will take risks instead of being scared little babies and do things that are more interesting. I think that a little bit of min-maxing goes a long way because that if, as, if you're writing good scenarios, you're not creating challenges that are easily solvable by just having the right skill at the right level. Yeah, what is this, gumshit? Uh, my feelings about that, and no disrespect to the fellow on the Delta Green subreddit who put that together. Uh, that's that is really cool, especially you know, like the guy wrote a Python script to generate these. But as anybody who's played No Man's Sky knows, when you procedurally generate a lot of content, a lot of it's bland, and some of it just doesn't work. <laughs> uh, like well, these, these are all pre-generated characters. Yes, they are all rules legal. Yes, however, and this is a big however, because they are procedurally gener- generated some of the randomly assigned bonus skills are bad choices. Um, some of the attribute allocations are weird. There are a lot of choices that have been made by the algorithm that result in characters that are difficult, not impossible, but little, little, little bumps on the way to implementing on top of which they're missing the most important thing, which is bonds. None of them have bonds filled in. Oh, it's... that's interesting. It's going to, that's probably because that would be even more difficult to procedurally generate. And, you know, with what little knowledge of programming I have, I respect how difficult that would be. And that's probably why they didn't do it. But that's important, especially if you are handing a character sheet to a player who's new to the game and doesn't know what bonds are. I think you could do it because uh, the Dwarf Fortress guy figured out how to give each dwarf a family history. So just take that, which is an open source, but take it and just kind of stuff it in Delta Green. And there you go. Yeah, but this, how many how many years did it take him to do that? I don't know, but, but listen, this is Urist McFortress. He has the look of one who is the first kind. <laughs> there is actually a Delta Green. I think it's an app called Delta Green Utility, 
it's at least on Android, and it also allows you to randomly generate a character, and it has some of those same issues, but it just jumps out to me because it also generates bonds for you. I was trying it the other day, and I got a character with something like my therapist, my church group, and my brother, I think, for my bonds. Ooh. So that is, I think there, it has some of the same issues in regards to not all the skill choices make sense, but it's still something that's, at least in that sense, is ready to hit the table. So I'm going to let the losers in on, on a little secret, and you can't tell the developers because this is illegal, but um, <laughs> when you make a pre-gen... Shane, Dennis, stop listening right now. Yeah. Demi Deeds, get off the air. Um, when you... Does he know we call him that? He, we, he will in the next Gen Con. That's for dangerous. He, he, he will. He listens to this episode. <laughs> well, he's not going to. They don't actually listen to our show. If they listen to our show, they would never repost it. Uh, all right. So when you make a set of pre-gens, especially if you know who's coming, like if, you, if, you, if you know that you're playing with Max next week and you play with him before you know what he's up to, you can make a couple pre-gens for him to choose from. Those pre-gens don't have to be rules legal. I mean, they shouldn't be Ubermen with 99 in every stat. But you can give them some extra plus twenties here to like a cool to like archaeology, which isn't going to be that useful, but just gives the character oh. some some life. Oh, oh, oh! That's, that's okay actually, to do. I actually really like that because it reminds me of some of the. I think it's night visions in control group. Some of the characters have like art rap or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah necessarily... uh, night visions art rap. Yep. Yeah, which is not necessarily relevant to the scenario, but it's so good for adding flavor to the character. Yeah, and then here's here's the secret. Here's how the, it all comes together. If you give somebody art rap, that player is going to see that, and they're going to come up with a cool thing to do in this scenario that you had not planned for. It's going to be such a cool moment that's going to solidify that character as like theirs when they use the rap skills to learn the secret song and stop the bad guys. Like that's awesome. And if they just made a min max character. That wouldn't work. But if you hamstrung their ability to shoot things to give them art rap, the character, the player won't have fun because he's like, oh, I can't hit anything and I'm an army guy. It's stupid. So you can make the characters a little better to make it fun. Isn't this what Chris was talking about when, when we had him on the show to talk about a whole bunch of stuff? Wasn't this an idea that he floated? So not that exact same idea, but but the idea of creating characters that aren't, strictly speaking, character creation rules legal uh maybe i mean i've and i've said before i have no problem bending the rules when it makes sense and i know we put that challenge out to our listeners to try it and see what happened and, and nobody ever took us up on it so listeners you should, you should fucking do that i don't think it's necessary because i think that you can give someone a character that's pretty tough and well put together without bending the rules i understand that it's good to do for flavor like how in Eclipse phase, you have you, your the game basically mandates that you spend some of your bonus skills and just kind of silly stuff. Like, you know, I'm good at learning about um, Martian crack pipes. Knowledge. Old Earth pop culture. Knowledge, yeah. Um, or just know is what they call it now. That's what the, the, the youth is calling it. The Zoomers. Um, I don't think that you need... the, only, the So what I... But it, 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 you may actually be onto something, though, with this because... When I was, I'm doing a batch of pregens just kind of to do to do it because um, I wanted to see what would happen if I if I did all of them rather than just a couple. And the thing I'm running into with the archaeologist type characters is that I'm having to give them uh, pretty much all of all of those type of characters have the uh, missing bond, the hard experience that gives them extra skill points, and some of them even have it twice because that was there was just such a. a a lack of useful stuff there. And so I'm wondering now if maybe I could just cheat and make a 
character that was a bit more well-rounded. Yeah. Or like take one of those characters where you shaved off two bonds and put one back at like three. Just show that like you've really damaged the relationship with your therapist over the course of your lifetime. It's not a huge, it's not like three ablative sanity damage. That's not a huge deal, but it's enough to give a little bit more. The other, you know, if you're, and if you're making pregens for a specific scenario, then you have the ability because you know what skills are going to be needed. You can make sure that those are, you know, it's not sprinkled in exactly where you need them, but sprinkled in enough that, you know, your characters, if they use, your players, if they use their brains, can put the characters to good use. Uh, one of the other things I've noticed with pregens, I had this happen at Gen Con this last year. Um, with pregens, it's, it's a fun way to show an underused profession. Like everybody always wants to play like the, uh, you know, the FBI agent or, you know, the, the cop, but, you know, putting in like a cool, like a cool firefighter character, like we did with one of Max's old characters or a cool criminal or a, a botanist. I think every, every person who picked up, we had, I guess we had like a CDC physician, no, an army physician who was specialized in like chemical warfare or chemical, like chemical uh, defense, I think. And um, someone picked that character up and was like, Oh, that's actually what I do. Like not for the military, but like in civilian life. So I got to play this character. And that was cool because, you know, they were instantly connected with a character uh, that wouldn't may not have gotten chosen otherwise. I do think that there is a fine line between. So we've talked a lot about like making pregens that are generic for any scenario. You can also, you know, make them for a specific scenario, but you can go too hard on that. And then, the, then no one wants to play that character afterwards because you made a scenario. You can make a scenario where the whole crew is like a group of exterminators who who secretly cooks methamphetamine. And that's fun for a scenario about a meth demon. But after that, no one's going to want to play this character because they're not, like, may not be that great a Delta Green character. So be careful. I, I agree about with you in, in general, but the specific case you chose, I don't agree with because I think Criminal is one of the most versatile packages. Well, that's true, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Pregens are made to be driven like they're stolen. That's true. I think that um, there's a big difference between making a pregen that you expect the player to keep using and making one that will be used for one scenario. Because yeah, for a one shot, definitely different. Yep. At Gen Con, I had people playing in ways that I don't think they would have played if they expected to be at that table for another session. And sometimes it was a bit silly, but sometimes it was awesome. Like I told you guys that in my run of Blank Scenario, which hasn't been uh, finished yet, uh, the players split into two factions, one which thought that they should complete their mission and clear out the island, and one which thought they should become supernatural crime lords using the magic powers that they'd stolen by devouring the real wizards. And like that's probably not something that they would have done if they were just at a normal-ass table. Definitely. And you know, the, we've talked about how Delta Green is a very, or can be a very lethal system. So I think it's good to have some pregens around so that if you kill a character really early on, you can hand them a pregen and be like, all right, you know, in a couple scenes, you'll show up. Here you go. Get back in it. That is something our dearly parted Jake, he caught Ligman, fucked off somewhere, did in one of his scenarios that I think went pretty well. He's hanging out with his wife, and it's so wholesome. I, it's garbage. I hate it. What a jerk. But uh, Jake ran a scenario in Vietnam. I've told this story in one or two other places. But we were playing a Vietnam scenario where we were going into the jungle to recover a downed aircraft. And like first encounter of the game, there's a river and we're wasting a lot of time trying to figure out how to get across. And suddenly a boat with some VC come around and Charlie kills our big bad Navy SEAL with the first combat roll of the game, one shot. And we all like fall silent, like, oh shit. And then Jake just hands that guy 
one of the character sheet for one of the NPCs who was traveling with us just because he expected this might happen. I've got to be prepared for if these guys bite it. Yeah, definitely. It's it's no fun to sit at, sit at a game. You know, if it's a final climactic fight, whatever, I'll kill you off and not feel bad about it. But if I kill you really early, it's nice to have a, another character for you to jump onto just so you're engaged. Yeah, I thought that was really smart. That Just to have one or two pregens prepared if you're planning to have combat early because you really don't know how the dice might go in anybody's favor. The official scenario does that. The one about night visions. Because night visions can go, um, can just have all the players get wiped out with a one lucky burst of automatic fire. Yeah, that one has, I feel like that one has three, doesn't it? It has the state department person, it has like the unit CO, and then it has the translator, I think. Yeah, one of the translator, oh no, the CO is part of the unit. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And I usually give the, not the talk too much about night vision, but I like the scenario, and I usually give the, I usually make sure that there's just a, like the first three players you show up, get those characters first, and the rest fill out all the boring Marines. So this that was kind of a, a, a smorgasbord of, of tidbits, but any other thoughts on MJ-12, recruiting people, recruitment scenarios, pre-gens, uh, I want to go, go back to something Melon said about his Gen Con games, because I think you did something really clever, Melon. You actually put a text box on all the character sheets saying, here's how to exploit the characters the most for the most fun just kind of i guess putting out your thoughts behind when you were crafting the characters together yeah we had those on most of the pre-gens and that was that, that definitely helped it was interesting because i over the course of three over the course of like three separate scenarios with the same character picked by different people you saw some similar actions in because the, because they leaned into the stuff that we written pretty heavily which was that was fun to see yeah and that was very smart like the the way the guys at Arc Dream, talk about John Tyne's kind of threefold progression for organizations. I think that kind of instruction for using a pregen is really clever. And it's one of those things we didn't think about before, but now that we have, we should do it all the time. And now you listeners can do it too. Good ideas are made to be stolen.